This episode of Smart Enough No Better is brought to you by Wacan Wireless Earbuds. Wacan are over-engineered bullshit being sold at an insane markup. But at least their constant dropouts will mean you can hear less of our bullshit ads. Use the code I1TTV9629 ampersand 7 Omega for 1% off. Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to Smart Enough to Know Better, episode 167. We're a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Greg Wall. I'm Dan Beeston. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, I'll be sharing a tale with you. And you've got a zig and then zag. But before we get there, Gregoire, what happened to you this week in science? What's happened to all of us, Dan, in science? I, 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 have, a, I have a philosophical Sunlight, conundrum. Sunlight, breathing. That's chemistry. Deep, I don't care any of that. <laughs> Sunlight is chemistry? <laughs> Breathing's chemistry? Well, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, so. yeah, respiratory. Yeah, of course it is. Everything's chemistry. Which Technically, everything's physics. We won't go there, though. Uh, so chemistry is <laughs> physics. Physics is chemistry. The no, duality no, no. of no, 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 loves physics- and hatreds. No, no, phys- no, all chemistry is physics, but not all physics is chemistry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot more to physics than chemistry. Yeah, sometimes physics is just boring. Oh! Sometimes oh, physics is just boring, and when it's not boring, it's chemistry. Oh, look at you. Look at you, old sassy. Sassy Dan. Very yeah, nice. I've had a good day. I'm feeling <laughs> the sass. So, no, it's a story for all of us, though. It's come up again, the idea of commercializing the solar system and mining the moon specifically. It's something that people are talking about again of in the past space and the development and the travel to space was done by nation states because they're the ones who can afford it. And they're the ones who have the technology, but that's just not the way it kind of runs anymore. Now nation states don't do it. It's companies like SpaceX and Blue Horizon and Boeing and everyone else. And mega so- corporations run the governments. And well, there is, there is, you get, you could say that. That's that's definitely something. And governments have a habit now of saying, we've got money. We haven't got, we can't do all this thing, but we've got this money, and we're willing to give you some of it to do this other thing. So they buy into other people's projects. So a company says, we want to build a thing like the New Zealand company, Rocket Labs. They say, we want to put up a rocket into space, and we've got this much money, this much expertise. We can't do the whole thing. And the government says, well, you've got buy-ins, and we'll buy in as well. And they give them money and expertise. Same as Gilmore Technologies in Australia and, yep. and lots of big ones as well. And so it's a way of eking the money out and getting the experience out there. But of course, this leads to this company saying, well, but we want to commercialize we want to make money out of it we you know we want to get something out of this we're not just doing out of the goodness of our own heart so it's capitalism rears its head again and so we're reaching the point now of for the last 50 years we've had this kind of international agreement that space belongs to everyone it belongs to you me and everyone of the nearly eight billion people on the planet no one is allowed to own space or any part of it and of course Corporations are not excited by this concept because if they build a mining, a helium-3 mining on the moon, let's say, and then you come next to them and go, great, thanks for finding that for me. I'm just going to mine it. You can't stop me because it belongs to everyone. Of course, they're not going to be happy about that. That's not how they make money. Yeah, But they're not, they're not allowed to own it because they can't. But now the Americans are saying, well, no, you should be able to own these things. Commercial. The not... Americans, you say. Yes. The yes. Americans want to back out of a particular deal. 
I don't think they oh, ever backed. I don't even think they backed into it. But <laughs> maybe I'm wrong there, but I think they were, they've always been a bit non-committal about the whole thing. But their theory is. Well, no, you've got to make it worthwhile for a company to do it. Otherwise, it's not worthwhile doing. And no one will do it. And we need it. Like, we need more resources. We need to – and people may say – We need oh, more flat screens. We need more flat screens. But also we need more, re- we need more resources to survive as well. We need to be – if we want to solve global warming, climate change, I should call it now, of course, then we have to change our technologies. And that requires energy and resources and things like that. Like, it's not as easy to say – unless we all want to go back to the dark ages and just live in, in castles – you know, that's or more to the point, mud daub huts. It's not so simple. So you we have to some, have. I've seen some beautiful adobe huts. That's that's true. Yeah, that's a, a simpler lifestyle. Photoshopped. Is that, is that adobe? No. Oh like, no, Photoshop is very overcomplicated. No, oh, that's okay. that's yeah. very much oh. overengineered. Oh, I don't yeah. don't want that. I don't want to live in Photoshop. So do you, oh. so the question, of course, is what do we do? Do we say no? You can't go into space and make money and get resources, which will lead to, yes, more trillionaires being generated. Absolutely. But will lead to technological advancements and, and increases of resources for other people and everyone, basically. And, and that's not idealistic thinking, by the way. That's more just – it's not – I don't know. I bet, it feels like trickle-down economics. But Or is it something we should say, no, it's, you can't go there. It has to be nation states. I'm just – yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite torn about it because I love the idea of – people going out there mining the asteroids and bringing back all the materials we need. But I'm also not excited by everything in space being owned by one corporation. Yeah, Thoughts. because how do you designate? Like, if you land on the moon, like, how do you organise the thing where you say, okay, how much of this do I own now? It's like, yeah. do you have to keep planting a flag every seven feet? Or <laughs> do you just like, I own this one. You guys find your own round thing. Go, go yeah. find your own ball. This is yeah. our ball. This is ball America. This is America <laughs> ball. Uh, yeah, so that's a good question. Do you so you, you go find a minor planetoid and you go and stick a flag at it and you declare it yours? It belongs to smart enough to mine asteroids. Thunk. And you get, so can someone just go on the other side of your one kilometer ball of platinum and take it? Or yeah, do you sort them up? At what level do you start saying no? This is mine. You have to go find another one. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm just intrigued by this. I've been thinking about it. Going, yeah, where do you draw the line on this? Maybe the the rule should be, if it's a ball, you can't own it. But if it's a peanut, go for your life. It's, oh yeah, if it's a peanut, you can have it. And there are big peanuts out there. Oh like yeah, there's th- those peanuts are not peanuts. No, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're real value. And but even like the moons of Mars, like Phobos and Deimos, they're peanuts. And you know, oh, I don't want to go there. Demons. Well, that's well, that's, that's right. It will be. Yeah, so maybe okay, I think maybe we have we solved it already. Have we solved yeah, it? If it, we solved if it's it. a ball, if it's a ball, you can't own it. If it's a peanut, you can own it. Yeah. All right. Someone tell the United Nations, smart enough to mine asteroids, has solved the problem. Everyone Easy. can back down now. It's balls for everyone. Balls? No, no balls for everyone. No. Oh, no. Wait. No, balls, no, balls for everyone. For All balls, balls are for royal people. Peanuts for corporation. Balls for everyone. All right. Now, usually. I'm pretty I'm pretty diligent about this bit being a science thing because it's the week in science. Yes. But I got to think it's not science at all. It's it's not <laughs> You can't si- even you can't even massage this into no, science. No. This is about you and me. Oh, okay. All right. That's yeah. not no science there. That's that's pure pheromone chemistry from across the country? Oh, yeah. You better, I stink you're, like I stink like a wild rabbit. Your pheromones are not allowed into the state. It's a health risk. No, 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 excuse me. 
your pheromones are. We're the good ones here. Western Australia are the ones that have got it all sorted out. Also, I saw that there were cases in uh, Western Australia recently. Yeah, but that's because people from your side of the country want to come home and see their family and they bring the disease here. It's not in the... It's not in the community here. In Queensland, it, not just Queensland, the east coast of the country is just a Well, don't, don't lump us in with those southern states. We've been really good. <laughs> have you? Have you We've really? We've been really good, except for the ones of us who haven't been really bad, which is humanity's story, really. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not even bring up everyone else in the world having a bloody awful time, and I'm so sorry, everyone. I <sighs> have an admission to make, Ooh. Gregoire. Yes. I have been just a little bit jealous of you oh look i understand i'm a sexy man oh no not not no 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 oh, no, okay. no 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 oh good okay okay you're also very sexy man so that's fine yeah oh yeah look at this chin okay look at it oh, god you could you could crack open a beer on it yeah i mean not i don't anymore but oh good point sorry <laughs> that's horrible yeah really <laughs> oh god god i'd kill the crack of beer open on this chin <laughs> So I joined Twitter like a decade ago and I built up my follower account to several hundred followers. And at the same time, you tried Twitter out and you were like, nah, this isn't for me. They interacted with people? No, thank you very much. <laughs> but eventually you changed a tune and I was several hundred followers ahead. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep, that's fine. But then you came up with the Dalek on holiday photo experience. And it had some traction. And then suddenly you were 100 followers ahead of me. For easily five years, <laughs> you had 100 more followers than I did. Right, yeah. We both accumulated followers at about the same rate because okay. both of our podcasts were roughly as popular as each other. <laughs> Got it, yeah. Okay. Yep, sure. Now, this would have been fine if you'd started before me or at the same time, but you caught up from behind. And for some right. selfish and ego-driven reason, <laughs> I felt like I was a failure because <laughs> of this. Oh. But then, mm. then I started to participate in a pixel art competition. Ah, you got and other then, interests. Yeah, got other interests. Mm. So with some of my more successful posts there, I was getting big chunks of followers, a mm. dozen at a time. Cool. Now, I'm not proud of this. But I realised at the time that I had a chance to catch up and surpass you and your damnable Dalek games. That was so long ago, Dad. So long ago. And yet it has weighed over my head (laughs) for a half a decade. I will will accept that, yes, there was an explosive rise because of it. But also, maybe it's also because then I just produced good content from that moment on. No, no, no. We both produced exactly the same level of content because we both gained followers at the same rate. Oh, you weren't okay. constantly getting away from me. It was that oh. fucking Dalek thing, that, that lucky fucking Dalek thing. You can't even see it anymore, by the way. No, people, no. people who, people who want to go and find that now, you can't because Twitter doesn't save it, so it's not there. It doesn't exist. I think there's a way to get archived. Like you must. Oh. I don't think there is. I, I think, think it's gone a way forever. To get back to, I don't think they've deleted it. I think it's still there. It's just probably hard to get to. Probably you've got to just keep scrolling. I'm funny in the way that I, people go, well, why don't you archive things? Like people I work with go, I saw it yesterday. A woman I work with went, hang on a minute. I've got this email from 2014 I want to show you. And I was like, you save your emails from 2014 and have them instantly accessible? Like, oh, yes, yeah, Gmail. I just got them all. And I'm like, I just don't care enough. Like, I don't have pictures. I don't, I just don't. Life is transitory and you need to move on, Dan. That's all I have to say about it. <laughs> 
Look, that's valuable information, but I'm not finished yet about my rant, my thing. My okay, rant. I'm sorry, sorry, okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry, okay. I, was jumping, I was jumping straight to the heartwarming Bonhomie uh, saying. Oh, you, of, no, you don't get out of it that easily, <laughs> sonny Jim. Okay, okay, okay. Lambast me, go. It's not really lambast. It's mostly lambasting myself. Oh, okay. So it took months, but finally you had 902 followers. Ooh, look at me. And I had 905. I finally got there and I had a little moment of, like, self-indulgent joy. (laughs) So I mostly stopped counting at that point. (laughs) Now that I've won, I don't count. (laughs) Some sick green monster in my soul had been satiated. Glad. How many do you follow? Well, we'll get to that. (laughs) So, a little while later... I realised my pixel art antics had given me another couple of dozen followers and you were sort of stagnated back there in the low 900s. Yeah, cool. And so I'm like, yep, cool, cool. Don't have to think about it again. And on a, <laughs> on a whim, just recently, I thought to compare them again. Oh, lordy. And I had 936 followers. Okay, right. And How many you had caught up and had 933 followers. <laughs> So despite the fact that I wasn't doing any of this, they're now all but identical. All but identical. And I thought, well, you can artificially inflate that by following lots more people. I only follow people I want to follow. So I'm still winning. I'm still winning by a lot if you're following lots more people than me. Now, I only follow 549 people. And you, Gregoire, I checked... Yep. Follow 549 people. <laughs> I thought I had like 500 and something. So my yeah. question to you, Gregoire, is are you f***ing with me? All this time my ego is playing this sick game. Are you playing it back at me? <laughs> no, not at all. This is, this is the universe playing some sort of sick game with me. <laughs> Who knows, Dan? It's yeah. It's it's Twitter. We're neck and neck. We're just we're we're so we're so each other's equal. It's Miss it's it's Mrs. Twitter, and she just wants to make it. She wants to tear us apart. Twitter is scared of us and wants to make sure that we destroy each other. <laughs> and, and look, I just point out it's hilarious. We're, we're worrying about nine hundred people when that's nothing. Well, that's that's almost our entire listenership, and I worry about them, Greg. <laughs> I care about every oh, single one of our listeners. Uh, oh, very good. That's very, yes, look at you. That's, Who uh, can follow me? It, at DNABeast <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> and the thing is, that has almost guaranteed that your follower count will now go up until it's higher <laughs> than mine. But because two of our followers hate no, my manipulation of the, uh, the, quite the rightly. I, the only time I've ever been annoyed at you with Twitter was... Because <laughs> when I realised I, I, in my bio, I went, "I'm Gregoire. I'm a. I work at this organisation, and I'm one of the co-hosts of Smart Enough to Know Better." And I had a look at yours once, and it went, "I'm Dan Beeston, and I do a thing, and I'm the host of Smart Enough." I was like, "You son of a bitch, <laughs> host!" I'm like, "No, we're co-hosts." I'm like, no, 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 host and co-host. Like, oh, I see how this game is played. <laughs> First banana. I'm the second banana. <laughs> Jeez, you must really hate it whenever I refer to myself as head writer of our plays, too. <laughs> oh, I know. I know what got it. It's because I started doing Little Plastic Men. 
and started. Oh, right. So you got into pixel art, and then I got into Little Plastic Men and started following a few of those people and showing off my work to those people. And, you know, and there's like a little community of people. That'll do it. So, what we've learned here is if you want people to follow you on Twitter, is get interests. Be interested in other people and be in, and do something interesting. Or just present them with information that they don't have to read. They could just look at and go, yep, that looks yeah. nice. A pretty, I, a pretty, pretty, people pretty, are lazy. pretty picture. Pretty picture. Well, how about we do something together, Dan? How about you and I, you could do a pixel art picture of something from my little plastic men game. Nah, <laughs> no, I, I won't be doing any more pixel art stuff. Don't bother to check my account. <laughs> Harken back your mind, Dan. Harken, harken your mind. It is harked. It was. <laughs> remember back in the halcyon days of episode thirty-five of Smart Enough to Know Better. Babies are dumb. Oh, oh, oh I love that recurring segment. <laughs> that how dumb babies are. And we didn't. We talked about babies are dumb, but more importantly, we talked about <laughs> running away from. I, I met someone the other day, and they were like, "Someone was like, oh yeah, he, he's a new father.'" And I, I just tell you, it went, babies are dumb. Congratulations. He's like, yeah, babies are dumb. They're not cooked yet. They're not cooked. Absolutely. They're, they're still cooking. They're, their brains, the first 25 years of life, it's all a bit dodgy. Yeah. And even then, even yeah. then, Dan. Some of, them are, some of them just never cook properly. Yeah. Some of them never cook properly. But anyway, harken back to episode 35, Babies Are Dumb. We yep. talked about outrunning dinosaurs. We went through the whole thing. Go back and listen to that episode. It's pretty fun. And um, basically that you – and if you, you could probably outrun a T-Rex because their mass means that they're not big, fast – well, they're big runners, but they're so they're big and they're not fast runners. No, wait, yes. They're large animals that can't run fast is what I'm trying to say here. And they can't even accelerate very quickly because it takes a long time. And if they run too fast, their knees will shatter and it's a whole thing. And so we worked out that, yes, you could probably outrun a dinosaur or at least a T-Rex if you're fit enough. But there's been more research, Dan. Very important research has been yes. done many years Into later. Into dinosaur sneakers. It's a dinosaur exactly right. So Alan Wilson, a professor at the Royal Veterinary College at the University of London, he studies locomotive biomechanics, which just sounds great. So how things move and stuff. And he was trying to work out, you know, how actually how fast different dinosaurs could run, how big a predator should be. So anything over 3,000 kilograms, you're going to outrun any day of the week. You're going to be fine. But the largest an animal should be, if you want to make it a really, really fast predator, is about 100 kilograms. Anything over 100 kilograms, you start getting into a weight to power problem and the whole knees buckling. And, and so 100 kilograms is probably as far as you want to go. You don't want to go any more than that. So dinosaurs are just normally way too big. There are smaller dinosaurs, of course, but T-Rex is you know, no problem there at all. So what do you do, though, if you're being attacked by something smaller, like a velociraptor kind of thing, you know, like one, one of the ones that are the Utah raptors? And Wilson has worked out that he had an algorithm to work out what you do, looking at impalas, the, the deer-like animal. Serpentine? You've basically hit it on the head. Yes, there, there it is. So what they're saying is that when these animals come at you with explosive bursts of speed, you run. Don't You don't have to run at your top speed, but as close get close that you can maintain. Your power as a human being, we are distance runners. We can, you know, we've talked about this before. Yeah, about, uh, distance we just running keep going. Country. And, and we can, and because we can sweat out Buttocks of our skin. of gods. We, we do. Oh God, do we ever? Whew, I can crack walnuts with it. And you don't try to open a beer with your buttocks, though. That's less. That's less impressive. It gets very fizzy. 
Oh, you, don't, you don't want that Mentos experience, mm. that Mentos and Diet Coke experience down Yeast, there. Yeasty enema. So you Yeast. want to jog away. Oh, yeah, because it's beer. It's Ooh. beer. That's, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Sorry, I was still thinking of cola. <laughs> so when you're running away from me, run quickly. And when they come up, they're running at you, change directions. So you want to run fast and change directions unpredictably that's the important side just keep jinking left and right as you go unpredictably as it's coming up on you because it has to then keep adjusting its speed and because the speed it's traveling at it takes a lot of energy to adjust to, to basically to intersect you without overshooting you when it's within two or three animal lengths away from you decelerate a butt ton what, what, what animal length? Because a bee is a different length to an elephant. Well, no, no, it's that animal length. When a oh, bee yeah, no, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's much it, easier to, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when, so when, when, like, when the T-Rex is three T-Rex lengths away from you, looking over your shoulder. There we go, you, okay. You decelerate quickly and change direction a lot. This works for cheetahs, by the way, too. So decelerate. Yeah. And and very radically change the direction, like because you, you have to slow down. And the animal will probably overshoot you by a mile. Continue until animal gives up. Can't you just run straight towards the animal and then just to the side and then jam a big rod in it and then as it rotates around, you end up on top of it and then you ride it like a sandworm. That's yeah, they're predators. They're predators. Well, I guess three animal lengths would be a hundred kilometers away. That's a long way away. <laughs> It would have to text you, I'm attacking you, and then you'd change direction immediately. Yeah. But anyway, so that's the thing. You have to slow down. You jink, 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 jink. You zig and zag to make it unpredictable where you're going. At the last moment within three out, then you slow down, decelerate, change direction, and go at, at top speed again. And it will have to do a big curve to get back to you using more energy. And then, because normally sprint attackers don't have the energy to nah. hunt you down like this. Nah. And so you just keep doing that. You do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again. And you just got to hope that the other humans around you don't haven't listened to this podcast and get picked off before you do. Because that's normally what happens is the weak one gets taken. Oh, no, I use my enormous brain and I'll uh, just uh, destroy its habitat. <laughs> <laughs> now, the final thing they worked out with this is back to the T-Rex. Yes, T-Rexes can't hurt you if you're fine. Well, you know, they can't chase you down probably. But there, there is a T-Rex that can hurt you. And just like humans, it's teenage T-Rexes. Ooh. What's that song? Teenagers scare the living shit out of me. They couldn't care less unless that someone else bleeds. That song, I don't know who does it. But no, I've never heard this song. Oh, okay. Is this from the early 80s? It sounds goth, early 80s. It's a goth thing, I'm pretty certain. No, 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 okay. no. It's My Chemical Romance. Oh, my God, all the goths just... I'm, a, I'm out of the club, Dan. I'm out of the club. <laughs> Anyway, so the point of this is the 14-year-old T-Rex is about 1,000 kilograms, so they're big. They can run at 65 kilometers an hour, have strong enough to actually tear through right through your bones and would go for you because you're, you're the right size because, you know, you're worth it to yeah. take it out. And so a young T-Rex... Look at these buttocks. <laughs> a teenage T-Rex is going to kill you. You're not getting away from it. Unless you're an Olympic sprinter, unless you're Usain Bolt, you're done. So don't... Go back in time and upset teenage. Don't like don't at the hang around the, the dinosaur mall. The dinosaur mall. <laughs> are you are you playing on dinosaur Fortnite? You know those people are no good. <laughs> you know what I like about beautiful women, Greg? That sweet, sweet tail. Sasquatch a Bigfoot, who is who? 
It's all going down at the Crypto Zoo. <laughs> Elliot writes in to tell us that his two-year-old daughter is currently infatuated with mermaids. Aww. And they were discussing what they eat. Because they are friends with fish, do they still eat them? So I thought this would be a good opportunity to unpick mermaids. Mm. First, we need to figure out what sort of creature is a mermaid. So, fundamental parts of the mermaid. Fishy tail. Fishy tail. Fishy tail, torso of a lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, And torso of a lady, that's right. So they're kind of like fish, send fishes or fish tours. Yes, a fish tour. A fish tour. Yeah. Well, hang on. No, a fish tour would be the top end of a woman. No, a centaur. Is, no, that's not right. Okay. Yeah, look, it's a fish tour. We'll go with fish tour. Yeah. Phylogenetically, this raises some questions. Mm. Is a mermaid a fish that has involved a human-looking torso, or mm. is it a mammal that has evolved a fish's tail? I have an opinion. Go on, then. I'm going to go with mammal. Definitely mammal. Definitely mammal. Very strong mammal. Air-breathing mammal. Air-breathing mammal. Air-breathing mammal. Very similar to us, but not us, yes. And I think I can back this up too. Go on then. All right. So start off with they have boobs. (laughs) They produce milk. It would be weird. I mean, yes, it's possible. Boobs. Boobs, very important part of your mermaid. Probably more important than the tail, so far as mermaid-like. Sometimes I go to the Gold Coast and I see a bunch of mermaids, but with human legs. That's how important the boobs are to knowing that it's a mermaid. Do you mean human women? No, because human women don't have boobs like that. What are you... Mermaid boobs on? are exceptional boobs. Yeah, right, okay. Right. I'm not sure like, what's going centaur on. centaur women are not yes. known for their boobs. Right. Oh, I see what you're saying. But mermaid women are people... So sailorism through history have been attracted by their singing and their boobs. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, good. Okay, got it. Well, it could be convergent evolution where the creature has actually just developed like buoyancy devices on the front of their chest or something. But I mean, it's, as you said, they're so, they seem to be evolved as a, not, not for the pleasure of men, but for a very similar reason to, ha- you know, to have boobs. So that yeah. makes me think mammal. And I think they're air breathing, though. I know, like, in A Little Mermaid, they go under the ocean, but she can also come out of the ocean. So I kind of think of, like, dolphins. They have to go to the surface to breathe, and they duck back down again, and they do their thing. You know, they, they swim all over the place, and they go back to the surface and breathe. Or they go to a grotto, and they breathe in a grotto. Uh, they don't seem to have gills, is what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, but then gills, I mean, if you were to see a fish in the ocean, you wouldn't sort of go, oh, there it's, there's its gills. You kind of have to look for the gills. Uh, yeah. Some fish you do. Mm. Yeah, some of them are floating Some are really fish. obvious, but... Uh... Well, what I'm thinking, though, is I still think it's a mammal because the back end or the bottom end, the fishy end, the inverted commas, the fishy end. Yep. So it's scaly and it's got a fishy tail. And dolphins, cetaceans in general, have, inverted commas, fishy tails. I can't work out, do mermaids swim up and down? As in push up and down, or do they go ah, left and right? It's the spine. Yes. The spine no, it, is a dead giveaway, Greg. Yes. Mars. The scales. We can't get rid of the scales. Oh, you look, the... you know what? Let's leave the scales till oh, later. Okay, okay. All right, cool. We'll, we'll get do... there. I don't so worry. Do, they up and, do they go up and down or do they go left and right? Mermaids traditionally are shown as going up and down. So their tail beats up and down. Yeah. Right, like and that's a like a dolphin. Yes. Okay, but a shark and fish swim left to right. Yeah, well, early fish evolved a side-to-side flex in their spine that gives mm. them their distinctive side-to-side motion. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't find anything to back this up, but I'm hypothesizing that mm. side-to-side swimming allows you to escape to shallow water more effectively. 
If you are undulating up and down, shallow water could be trickier for you to move around in. And being able to escape to the shallow water is a traditional defense for very small fish. Mm. But I think it's left and right because you're talking about a long animal, whatever it was, the first animals that started swimming in oceans or just moving, trying to move in, in a liquid environment. You don't want to be a dinner plate because then you can be easily seen from the bottom and the top. You're a dinner plate. Like you're a big round thing blocking the light or a big round thing beneath you and you're really visible. So you want and you're expecting attacks from, in my mind, from the bottom or the top because it's three-dimensional. It's an ocean. Yeah. So you want to be almost invisible from the top and bottom, making you thin top and bottom, as in lengthways, and longer. And if you're longer in your lengthways, longer in your lengthways, well done, Greg, then it's easier to flex left and right, as in down the – there's a word for this, by the way. There's actually a word for this sort of flexing. I just don't know. I can't remember what it is. So I'm guessing that's why they flex that way, fish flex that way, because they're a long animal that had to be thin vertically. Oh, does, yeah. I don't know. That's Maybe, just, that's but take. then surely in a three-dimensional space, death could easily come from the left or right as well. I Yes. And and there, there are lots yeah, of fish that are very, very vertical, but then there are plenty of fish that are horizontal as well. They tend to live on the bottom. Yes, and they're, they're, that's right. They, they, they're like, like flatheads and that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, so, there, yes. so maybe there was mm. something, and maybe maybe there wasn't any pressure to specifically go for left or right over up and down, but it just happened, and just there happened. was no pressure yeah. against it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good way to think of it too. Yeah, that's possible. Now, when a creature comes up on land with a spine like that, it waddles. Like a crocodile, it sort of mm. moves, it sort of waddles side to side. Mm. But a vertically flexing spine allows for running. Take a look at your cheetah. Watch its mm-hmm. spine flex to allow its paws to land really far away from each other and push back with more force. It's also hips. So you have lizard hips and you splay out. So your lizard, your, you, you think of your even your dinosaurs, not your theropods, but your sauropods. And, oh, no, no, they're, no, they're, yes. But think of lizards and they, they have to be stable. And so they stick their, they, their, their legs are well out to the side. And they're, we're bird-hipped. We're more – not that we're birds, but we're more bird-hipped in the fact that our legs go directly beneath our centre of mass. We're not slung out. So it's – and you watch and that, alla- that allows our legs to go more forward and backwards, yes. forward and oh, backwards yes, rather than so. side to side. Like a bird. Yeah, not saying we are like, ones that are like birds. Where a lizard – even a lizard does a weird left and right kind of waddle, as you said, and they can't get up to very high speeds. Mm. So you want to change your hip. You want to get your legs under your hips, not have them splayed out from your hips yeah. to be able to move quickly. Okay. Now, most depictions of mermaids mm-hmm. have, them, have them with arch and arching their back motion. Yeah, to really, so, really, really, really show off the boobs. Yes. Yes, <laughs> that makes sense. Well, even a little mermaid does it. She goes on a rock and, like, arches on back, and you're like, yep. that's weird. And and when she swims, even though she's a kind like it, Sure, if you were going to put someone in a costume like Daryl Hannah, then mm. she she's not going to be able to go side to side. She has to go up and down like a dolphin. But even mm. in The Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. she goes up and down more than she goes side to side. Right. And left to right somehow seems more nefarious. There is a part of our brain that signals side to side undulations as danger. And sharks. quite rightly. Sharks. Because sharks Dan. and sharks, snakes Dan. and sharks. lizards... All of these dangerous things go side to side. And our brains are sort of hardwired for both serpentine behavior and scuttling. Our brains hate scuttling. We hate, we we don't like, we talked about it in the podcast before, 
unpredictable movement freaks us out because because it's unpredictable. Your mathematical brain is going, I can work out the velocity and the acceleration so I know where this animal is going to be in a minute's time or a second's time. I'm safe. But if the damn thing starts like scuttling all over the place, you're like, oh, I don't, I can't. And then you're like, oh, kill it, kill it with fire. Yeah. Thank God they're not scuttle maids. Could you imagine? You'd be so conflicted if if she had like a beautiful top of a of a beautiful woman on the top, but scuttled all over the ceiling. Oh, like four legs, like eight legs. Eight, eight, like, oh, but still, there there are the tits, and men, Greg. There are <laughs> the tits, <laughs> Greg. We're being very yeah, but look, there are mermen. They're sexy. They're no, nah, not not really. Not in, like culturally, mermen only turned up with comic books and stuff. Mermaids are the the thing. Right. You just infer okay. mermen. Right. Yes. No. It's, it's all about the tits, Greg. The heaving, pert, glistening mammaries of the common mermaid. They have to be a mammal. Right. Yeah. That's fair enough. Okay. okay. I'll, look, I'll, I'll give you this. So mermaids more likely to have the tail of a dolphin rather than a fish. Dolphins right. had a land-bound ancestor that was reminiscent of a cow but actually yep. more closely related to an elephant. It slowly mm. returned to the water and evolved to suit the environment it was in. But a dolphin's tail is smooth and mermaids have scaly tails. Yes. Scales are uncommon in the world of mammals, but they do happen. They do. They do. I know this. I can ooh, pick me, sir. Pick me. Pick me, sir. Can I answer the question? You boy, the old one at the back. <laughs> Pangolins, sir. Pangolins. Pangolins. Yes. Stop stealing them, by the way. You can't own a pangolin. Stop it, everyone. God damn it. Stop making out with them. Look where we are. Yes, well, there is that too. But, yes, yeah, pangolins have scales. They have keratinous. Keratinous? Yeah, they have keratinous scales, like hair or nails, that are all over their the body. Thank you, yes. Keratin scales. Yes. Keratinous. So, keratinous. I'm, sure yeah, I'm sure it's a word. I'm, sh- I'm sure it is, and I'm sure we won't be pulled up on it. <laughs> Okay, so perhaps a mermaid is an offshoot of the pangolin that spent more and more of its time in the water. Now, this is good news for those people attracted to mermaids. Because if they were fish, then sex would involve her laying her eggs and the amorous sailor simply coming all over them. (laughs) Those mammaries would be going to waste, Gregoire. We didn't. didn't, This is weird. This whole thing's weird. Now, sharks do have sex. If a mermaid were a shark, mating would involve swimming up behind her and biting her on the head and then using my claspers to anchor myself to her. But with an aquatic pangolin with heaving boobs, we have to make some assumptions, Greg. We do. We we have to make... I am making assumptions all this whole segment. Not about me. Not about me. (laughs) Some scientists... My first assumption is you're now on a register. That's my first assumption. (laughs) Some scientists think human boobs evolved in tandem with face-to-face intercourse and communication. <laughs> Dolphins certainly have face-to-face... Sexy, sexy semaphore. <laughs> it would have made the Beatle album help really more, a lot more X-rated. <laughs> that made me laugh. The that. flags are holding up, spell out F, and then the next one is <laughs> and then just, just pictures of boobs. Boobs! What are you trying to say? We like boobs. Oh, thank you, Ringo. <laughs> and just to head off anyone who's currently writing an email to, to us, the flag semaphore on the front of help doesn't actually spell out help. It does not. Because it, it didn't not. look cool enough. No, no, so it no. spells out like health or, <laughs> or pulp or something. 
<laughs> Dolphins certainly have face-to-face intercourse, or at least they mm. would if their faces didn't point straight upwards in relation to their bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm. As a side note, I had to Google for dolphin sex to confirm this. Definitely on a register. I should have Googled for dolphin on dolphin sex because I found myself on a website that was... Uh-oh. Not for me. Oh. Nice. Don't so, yuck their yum. No, no. Not even don't yuck their yum. Don't have sex with animals. Don't, yeah, that's the one. That's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. yuck there their nut yum is for yep. people having yep. sex with people. Yeah, yeah. Consenting. Yeah. You can't yeah. consent with an animal. Okay. Now. I, I feel it weird that we have to say that, but we do. We live in that era now. So, yeah. yeah there you go. Mm. Now. What Elliot and his daughter are specifically asking about, and hello to her if she's listening, is diet. (laughs) Mermaids are friends with fish, but do they also eat fish? Perhaps this undersea pangolin fills the same niche as the manatee or dugong. These sea Mm. cows are herbivores. Mm. There may be undersea grass beds filled with mermaids lying side to side, happily munching on tufts of kelp and seagrass, and then occasionally surfacing for a breath. But they don't—they no. don't have to be herbivores. No, no? I, don't, I don't think, don't think so. so. No, I, no, I don't think so. And, and that's only because when you look at human evolution and what led to one of the one of the things that led to our big brain is the increase in protein in our diets. It, it allowed our brains to develop supposedly, as, as a, and the concept of being omnivorous. So going from being a herbivorous to omnivorous and scavenging food and then hunting like much, much, much later. But yeah, adding a lot of protein. And these are clever animals, mermaids, and these this pangolin-like animals. Very clever. It can sing. It can attract a human male. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it can do all sorts of stuff. It, it, and it can lure Odysseus onto rocks. Or that would mean sirens. Were the sirens mermaids? Or like, was that something different? Anyway. Yeah, it's slightly it, different. I think sirens undulate side to side, not up and down. Oh, okay. Well, look, I mean, if you were there when the Odyssey was happening and right in, otherwise don't. Uh, <laughs> thank you. If, if you're Homer, then you can write to us. God, I hope Homer wrote that. <laughs> I'm being very cocky right now. The point of this is I think they would have to have eaten meat, and I think that's fine because we do it. We go, oh, no, I would never eat a cat or a dog, but mm, mm, this pork bun me is a very juicy and I love it. So we, we can, in our minds, say this mammal is friend, this mammal is food. Well, that's interesting you should say that because fish and sharks do have relationships with other fish. These are called symbiotic relationships. Remoras attach themselves to sharks and clean them of parasites. In return, they get protection and food scraps. So when you live with no lights and they eat parasites, that's remoras. No, they, they're closer to the surface, like they're with the uh, sharks. damn it. Like you're thinking of the really deep sea ones. Uh, so back it. to the drawing board on that, Sonny. <laughs> Pilot fish are yellow fish with dark stripes that do the same thing. Now, flounder in The Little Mermaid wasn't mm-hmm. a flounder at all. He was Ooh. a tropical fish, yellow with dark stripes. He was probably a pilot fish. He, could he have been poisonous? Yeah, maybe. So, because you know, like sea snakes are really, really colourful. To go, hey, don't eat me. Hey, mermaid, don't eat me. Because like, you'll die. You'll have you have a neurotoxin. Oh well, most tropical fish are brightly coloured. I don't know whether all of them are toxic to eat. That's true. No, well, most of them aren't actually. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
Okay. But at least these ocean predators are happy to not eat some fish, but to easily devour others. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Only the ugly ones. We, we'll eat the ugly ones. Yes. Ariel and her father would have no problem at all devouring some while chatting with others in the same mm. way that we can pat a dog while eating a steak. I, yep, there you go. There you have it. Yep. Now, when it comes to symbiotic relationships, mermaids are often depicted with starfish bras. Mm. Now, mm. starfish have their mouths underneath the, them. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it may be that the starfish provides some sort of protection for the unscaled top half of the mermaid, and in return, it gets to feed on the thick, fatty, toothpaste-like milk that oozes from Ariel's nipples. <laughs> I wonder if that's how she got her name. Ariel? Because <laughs> they stick out. Yeah, that's that's quite upsetting. Um, but hang on. But mammals don't lactate all the time. Mammals lactate when they have babies. Yeah. So Ariel would have to be knocked up all the time. Not, not all the time. Maybe it's because, well, I mean... Well, if, if, she's, if she's sticking on boob starfish with the mouth in the centre, which is a terrifying, terrifying thought now, and it's holding on by suckling on her nipples, what's it getting out of it if, if she's not knocked up? It's not like the starfish is particularly clever. They're just going to do what comes naturally, and it's just going to be one of those things where as long as enough of them get onto lactating mermaids, then they can survive long enough. Because starfish, starfish don't have to eat that much. No, that's fair enough. And I just have another idea is that what you do, this mermaid society has wet nurses for starfish. So at the end of the day, you come home and you go, oh, I have a big day killing some fish and talking to others. And you and you take off your starfish and you hand them over to the, the wet nurse. And she goes, oh, thank you, dear. And she pops on her boobs and then she walks off and she keeps your starfish nutrient uh, heavy until you need them in the morning. And then they go, there you go. And you put it back on. That's their job. It keeps people employed, Dan. Don't yep. judge them. Yep. It keeps them employed. It keeps, and it'd probably be older women as well with large pendulous breasts. So that's good. That's what we, and our society, we have a habit of throwing away the older woman. And mermaid society is still a very useful society member. Probably wouldn't get that pendulous because not a lot of gravity acting on uh, on mermaids. Oh, good point. Not like where it, dude, it just hangs down like curtains. Yeah, gr- yeah, gravity pulls you down. Yeah, okay, yeah, oh, I see what you're saying because you're floating in the environment. Yes, yes, good point. At any rate, I hope you enjoyed that, Elliot. And I hope that you score it highly. <laughs> I'm just, look, quite frankly, I'm just hoping it's, it doesn't score under a C. Welcome to the Walk of Shame, where you, the listener, alert us to those slight mistakes that we have made. Mistakes, I, Dan! Mistakes! Pishore, sir! Pishore! I have a Walk of Shame for you, Gregoire. Or, no. more importantly, Peter has a Walk of Shame for you. In episode 166, Greg mentioned that Ronan Keating is a British crooner. Having been born and raised in Dublin, Uh this does, of course, make him Uh Irish, Uh not British. Uh Uh-oh. I appreciate that to many Australians, Ireland, England and Britain Uh are all the same thing, but technically Ireland is not part of Great Britain. And most Irish people will not thank you for this blunder. <laughs> no, no, no. If I'd, no, I no, I assume I'd get glassed for it. No, I'm sorry. Look, I, look, look. Most of the time, I try and weasel my way out of it like a weasel. This one, oh God, please, Irish people from the Republic, God, don't kill me. I'm so sorry. You're a proud people who 
Prince Billy screwed up a long time ago and it was all his fault and it was all England. All English people are bastards. Don't, please don't take that personal, English people. Yes. Uh, a, a proud very... a proud country of religious yes. zealots and drunks. What? Well, they killed all the snakes. What? <laughs> well, I have one for you, Dan Beeston. Nonsense. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm unimpeachable. <laughs> so Ryan emailed me to say, just letting you know that Dan made a mistake in episode 162 at the 71-minute mark. I do love it when they timestamp it. In relation to Star Trek, he briefly mentions Dr. Spock, whereas the character's name is Mr. Spock. I did that on purpose. Ah, <laughs> did you really? Yeah. <laughs> He's not Dr. Spock. He's, not, He's not Dr. Spock. He's Mr. Spock. I think I actually had a joke written down for that, and you didn't walk into it. You didn't pick me up. I was like, I'm sure amazed Greg didn't pick me up. And then it just went past. I was like, oh. There is a Dr. Spock, but he was like a TV psychologist. Yeah, he's, he's, he's involved in a pregnancy. He's a special pregnancy doctor. What are those called? Oh, there you go. A, you know, special pediatrician. Special pre- I think he's some oh, sort of right. pedi- he is a pediatrician who wrote a book about mothering or something. He's a, right. a white man who told women how to mother. <laughs> I think that was Dr. Spock. But thank you, Ryan. Even though Dan's just sitting there going, oh, I meant to make that mistake. Look at me. That, yeah, that does sound very churlish, doesn't it? <laughs> I caught you all out. <laughs> you fell into my trap. Boy, you picked apart my mistake. <laughs> the last episode of Why Wonders Why, it was a very good listen. Listeners, hopefully you didn't skip it because it was a good one. All about death, interviewing Rose. Yes. Death becomes her. Yes, Rose, the morgue attendant, taught us how to prepare bodies and cremations. The cremulator. She it's taught us, fun. but we're not allowed to do it without a license, guys. Don't no. don't uh, <laughs> DIY that one. Weird. And the thing I like the most about Why Wonders Why is it gives you twice as much opportunity to say something wrong. <laughs> so Grant says, just thought I'd clarify Greg's comments in his Death Becomes Her podcast. At around the 50-minute mark, he suggests putting lime into the grave to increase oh, the acidity... Okay. And yes. thus aid the decomposition of a body. Yes, yes, I'm interested. Yes, yes, if okay. by lime he meant the mineral lime, like quicklime or some other form, I'm pretty sure it is highly alkaline. He oh, is I think correct. He's not okay. It yep. is used widely to stabilize reactive and acidic soils. The other possible option could be that he was suggesting filling the hole with a form of citrus fruit, in which case <laughs> would add to the acidity, but seems like an unusual option. So you were thinking of lime. Like limestone, limestone. Limestone. I'm thinking of limestone. All right. So, and so limestone yes. has an pH of 12.4. Wow, that's alkaline as that's heck. That's very okay. alkaline. Oh, interesting. Okay, wow. What am I thinking of then? What am I thinking? No, that's that it's probably lime. That, that actually, okay, but but it doesn't pH, high pH, that alkaline is not acidic. So that's No, it's not it's, acidic it's, at all. It's, it's the other it's, thing. It's exactly the opposite one. So It's not neutral. It's yes, far it's away neutral. from neutral. So oh, lime. Interesting. Lime is a powder. So mm. it doesn't have a pH. pH is a concentration of ions in a solution. So in order mm. to get pH, you need to hydrate it. Hydrated lime has a pH of 12.4 or 5.4 above neutral. Lime juice can go as low as 2, so 5 below neutral, which means that both hydrated lime, which you were referring to, and yes. lime juice, which you said... Did I say lime juice? No, you said lime, but you said it was yes. acidic. So everyone yes. just assumes oh, you were talking about that. Uh, lime juice. <laughs> then those are both almost the same distance away from neutral. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Except that it's logarithmic. So 
Yeah, pH of six. Yeah, which is yeah, pH of seven. Sorry. Now, yeah. if you just put lime in as a powder, the powder would hydrate with the body because the body's mm-hmm. a little bit moist and the various elements in the grave. But limes already have all the moisture already in them. Mm. So it makes you wonder whether being already hydrated would make it more effective at yeah. breaking down the body. Some cultures did use lime in burial because it prevents putrefaction that creates odour and draws animals and insects. Oh, okay. So it's happened for many, many hundreds and thousands of years. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Thousands of years, not hundreds of thousands of years. That's a yes. very long time. I found some research where scientists buried pig carcasses without lime, with hydrated lime, and with quick lime. They found out that over a six-month period, the bodies decayed more when there was no added lime. Okay. What? Yeah. When you don't add lime, the bodies decay more. Okay. Now, this weird. is weird, because if you put a body into a potassium hydroxide solution, which is very alkaline, it would mm-hmm. dissolve into a soup-like gel in a day or two. Mm-hmm. If you boil it, that can drop down to three hours. <laughs> okay. That's wow. like that's like breaking bad level of breaking yeah, down. Yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yes, very okay. much so. This is called alkaline hydrolysis. They use it to destroy and sterilize roadkill. Maybe some amount of lime was interrupting the natural decomposition of the body of the pigs. Maybe mm-hmm. that lime was preventing maggots and worms from getting a foothold. Right, yep. Now, if you dumped a body into sulfuric acid down the other end of the pH scale, it would break down over a matter of days or weeks, not a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. But if you used a carborane superacid, which is a hundred times stronger mm-hmm. than your sulfuric acid, mm. it wouldn't do anything to the body because it's highly stable. Right. Okay. So there's a there's a lot of nuance. The only yeah. thing I could find about citric acid is that it makes a decent marinade. <laughs> now marination breaks down the bonds of the meat and make mm-hmm. it denatures it mm, makes it tender mm. makes me easier to break up so it sounds like it might help with breaking down a body and make the body it's, tender and it's one of the things we do because basically all cooking is is really pre-digesting is is, is making it easy to digest cells and and muscles and things like that Indeed. so yeah okay but marinating something too long overcooks mm. it and makes it tough, like overcooking a steak. Mm. As to whether the process inhibits or helps with natural decomposition, I've no idea. I couldn't find that. But it's not as simple as looking at the pH. Breaking down meat and bones with acids and bases has much more subtlety to it. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you very much for that. That's, that's, yeah, that's a lot. That's, so the big mistake I made there was to think lime was acidic when it's actually alkaline. But weirdly enough, it still did the thing I thought it, well, potentially did the thing I thought it did, which was has a habit of breaking down bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Interesting. Thank you. I just found this very lovely poem by Oscar Wilde. It's the Ballad of Reading Jail, 1898. The burial of Charles Woodridge, lying dead in a coffin packed with quicklime, eats flesh and bone away. It eats the brittle bone by night and the soft flesh by day. It eats the flesh and bones by turns, but it eats the heart away. Oh, oh. there you go. Well, there is a lot of misinformation out there about quicklime and its effect on the body, which is why these scientists did this experiment. Yeah. So yeah. it seems that uh, it actually stops natural processes or retards them in some yeah. way. Yeah. That's interesting. Thank you. Well, that was really, really interesting. That was yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a it was a simple a misstep by you of one yep. word 
took yes. me 45 minutes and dozens of pages of research in order to get all that. <laughs> but you're, you're supposed to be taking the walk of shame. I'm the one doing all the work. <laughs> and I'll get Rose to check your answer as well. There you go. Well, is she doing the experiment? Well, she probably will. Well, she knows people who do, who work with this stuff. So I'm, I'm, yeah, mm. as she said, she's going to go talk to them. So we'll find out in the future. Yeah. Watch this space. So finally, uh, Steve Stewart wrote in. Hello, Steve. Hi, Steve. He says, Greg refers to the Day of the Dead holiday as Senco de Mayo. Yes. Is Steve that the one? says, Uh-oh. I think Uh-oh. he means Dia de Mertus. Senco de Mayo is an annual celebration oh, yeah. that's, held that's on May, May 5th. <laughs> The date yes. is observed to commemorate the Mexican army's victory over the French Empire at the Battle of Puebla on May the 5th, 1862. So it is a celebration of dead Frenchmen, kind of, <laughs> but you still have to take the walk. No, that's fair enough. That's, that's, at the moment, you, yeah, you did. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I got that one totally wrong. I'm so white. <laughs> but in your defence... Dia de Mertos means Day of the Dead, but it actually runs for three days. Fair enough. Days are arbitrary, but, Dan. Yeah, just all uh, names are arbitrary, yes. Yeah, everything, everything's arbitrary. The Greeks used to do things like start the day when the sun went down and then the same day continued on until the sun came up again. We call that nighttime of one day where they would say that's the start of a whole new day. We started at midnight. What's the point of that? How would you know when midnight was without a clock? The middle of the night. And it's not even the middle of the night sometimes. Because the way, especially if you're in a higher latitude, latitude, yeah. All right, so it, take your f-ing balls somewhere else. This is ball talk. <laughs> constantly ball talk. Well, you brought the boobs, I bring the balls. <laughs> you have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And that, and that other sexy voice in your ear is Greg at smartenough.org. I don't know why you put the pauses in. I'm just going to edit them out. We're in the it's, home stretch now. Stop. Just... It's sexy. It's sexy. Though. No, it's, it's sexy. not. It's it, all it's doing is it's slowing me down. Like, let's no, let's but... rush to the end. No, rush to sexy. the end, Greg. Sex, sexy, sexy, Dan. You got to have sexy. If you would mm-hmm. like to support, if, if you want to click yeah, on any yeah, of our yeah. buttons, go to smartenough.org and there's, there's right going to be there. show notes. Ooh, yeah. There's mm-hmm. going to be people discussing the episode. ASMR. There's going to be doing the subscription. You subscribe I'm, to the I'm, podcast. I'm opening, I'm opening a bag of chips. You can follow us on Twitter or something else that's worse than Twitter. But if you would like to support us. Oh, yes. I can do this all day. Please send naked photographs to greg at <laughs> smartenough.org. Huh? Sorry? Sorry? <laughs> I thought we were messing around with sexy things, Greg. I thought, I thought that's what we were doing. Don't solicit naked photos. God damn it, Dan. I'm not soliciting. I'm threatening with. <laughs> if you'd like to support us, you could buy a shirt on our website or you oh, can yeah. drop some money in the tip jar or you can just tell people about us. You could just follow one of us on Twitter. You can... <laughs> Oh, poor Dan. Oh, Sorry. Dan. Oh. But no, the, the, actually, one of the best ways, and some of you do it, and I really appreciate it, it's so lovely, is when people promote something that was in the podcast, and we didn't. <laughs> Even Dan and I like, whatever. And you're like, oh, my God, it was great. Like, oh, thank you. So appreciate, we appreciate it. Yep, we love that. We love our listeners yeah. pimping our stuff. You guys are and doing email, the right thing. And like Elliot, 
and his daughter wrote in very nicely asked about mermaids. We did a whole segment on it. Look at that. Yeah, we we're inspired. Don't, we don't do that for everyone. No, no, no. Sometimes you, you go, hey, how about you do this? And I'm like, I just quietly put that in the recycling bin. Oh, and it's like a daddy-daughter day with smarter stuff to the better. That's lovely. Oh, God, don't don't let her listen to that. We have well, we have no children. We have no oh, idea. You know how what? She's a two-year-old. She knows what boobs are for. <laughs> if you would like to support the podcast financially every single month, you have the option to do that by clicking on the Patreon link. We thank you if you pay five bucks. Yes, thank you. There it is. So I will be doing that. Oh, okay. Can we do it ASMR-y? No, no, we're getting through it quickly. Thank you very much to Michael Barnes, Andrew Potts, Andrew Whitehurst, Avery Greenbury, Alana Mitchell, Elizabeth Yunkin, Gary Heather, Granny Maguire, Lindsay Jenkinson, Matt Ewers, Matthew Toy, Morton O'Hare, Phil Holland, and Tuck Frump. Tuck Frump, Steve, Steve, what's his face, isn't it? He's messing with his name again, isn't he? <laughs> we love you. Tuck Frump isn't a name. If Tuck Frump is a name, I apologise. Tuck Frump. Tuck Frump. Oh, no, I get it. Oh, it's a, it's a, I got it. It's a spoonerism. It's a spoonerism it's a, joke. It's a political spoonerism it's, joke. It's a political joke. Yeah, that's uh, all right. Very yeah, nice nice job. You've made, you've ruined the podcast now. It's all political. <laughs> we're not political. We're not a political podcast. Though, basically, the one where we kind of did, we talked about taxes. We got a few emails going. You guys should get angry more often. I'm like no, no, we were really restrained. Like really restrained. It's like it's like when someone sees a burning fire and goes, "You guys should light the whole forest." And you're like, "Oh, sweet summer child." It's like it People was funny. People live in the forest. Yeah. <laughs> Like we could, we could, we could take everyone with us. But it's not. You think it's what you want to stay warm, but you'll be warm for the rest of your life. <laughs> All right. So, I had a couple of people write and say that last month's insults walked a little bit close to the line of bad taste, Gregoire. Um, I, I, I think so. And too, that yeah. maybe Greg shouldn't have made me do them. So I'd <laughs> like you to take that on board, Greg. What? I listeners. Listeners, I have no idea what this madman is coming up with before he just goes out there and drops some insane clangers on everyone. I can't control him. He's a, he's he's out of control. Dan, I set up the Patreon and I've set up a tier where you have to insult people. I think, Dan, I think as, you, as we talked about before, I'm just the co-host. You're the host of the podcast. So you really should take responsibility for your podcast. <laughs> Maybe it's uh, time to restart this podcast. It's, it's been a good 10 years, everyone. <laughs> All right. So Greg's Greg's mistake. But uh, with that in ah. mind, I'm resetting the clock, the horror clock. Okay. Uh, okay. These insults will be child-friendly. Uh-oh. Oh, no. No, he's, okay. ladies and gentlemen, he's smiling in that way. That means I don't trust him at all. Like, okay. he, it's really, it's a, it's a Cheshire cat grin. If the Cheshire cat was a was an obligate carnivore. Like, it's not a good smile. It's it's scary. So just in case this is your first time, these listeners have paid 15 bucks a month to be insulted on the podcast. Mm. So thank you very much to Mikkel Kidder. Uh, you are the Voltron of listeners. Oh. In that you are made up of 15 inconsequential pieces. <laughs> okay. 
but can bits and pieces in turn which Voltron? The Lion Voltron? Oh, 15. Not the not Lion. No, not, not, not the good one. That's vehicle Force. Yeah, 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 yeah. Vehicle Force. Means... Please, but... Greg, this is an insult. <laughs> vehicle Force. I oh look, I'm angry now because I like Vehicular Voltron because unlike Lion Voltron, which only had five lions, all these vehicles, they could also form sub-assemblies like the submarine bit and the like the other bits. Like they, they could also could tr- they could go from cars and planes and things and boats, and they could join together into a slightly bigger thing, and when that invariably failed, turn into a bigger thing and stab it with a sword. Yeah. Oh, and and what was the name of that character? From vehicle, from vehicle Force Voltron? Isn't it Voltron? What? No, not the robot. Any one of the 15 pilots, Greg. Tell me the name of any of the 15 pilots. Oh, uh, uh, look. Um, there's Alforma Head. Alforma. <laughs> that was his name. He yelled it every time. He'd go, Alforma Head. And then he'd land. That was his name. Alforma. Okay, let's move on to Dustin Fallon. Amongst our listeners, Dustin, you are a real rarity, which sounds like a compliment unless you're familiar with the list of most hated My Little Pony Friendship is Magic ponies. Steve Stewart, you are the shredder of the podcast. You just can't help putting your foot in it. Ah, very good. Nah, that's that's the weakest one. (laughs) Steve got the weakest one this week. I'm sorry, Uh, Steve. I'm sorry, Steve. Scott Driscoll, you are the orco of the podcast. Sometimes we can't find you, but it makes no real difference. He-man. And Tom Seary, you are the banana man of the podcast. (laughs) Your inner child has died. Although in Banana Man's case, it was from coronavirus. Was it? Hang on a minute. What? Mm. Really? Yeah. He died from coronavirus. The guy who voiced Banana Man, uh, who died, who who voiced his child, Eric. Oh my! Oh no! Oh really? I thought we weren't. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, I feel. Which but... one had spot? Which one had Spotty? Was that Banana Man or was that was that Super no, Ted? That was, that, that was Super Ted. That was Super Ted. Okay, sorry. Okay, right. Oh no, Banana Man. It's Eric's dead. Oh no! I've just learned something. I'm very sad now. The other two goodies are still alive. Oh yeah, that's right. It was yes, yes, yes. It was. It was Tim Brooke Taylor, wasn't yeah, it? Yes, it oh. was. It's Tim Brooke Taylor, that's right. Oh, no, I'm sad again. Yeah. Yeah. And you know the worst thing? You made me do this. Don't look at Also, the... there are two other top-tier <laughs> Patreon listeners who to, who don't force me to insult them each time. Uh, oh. So a big thank you to Eric Wilson, who is my very favourite Care Bear, and oh. to Al Batson, who is my very favourite Gummy Bear. I really hope that clears up soon, buddy. So thank so you who, to all of our top tier patrons. You hey? can't just say which is your favorite Care Bear then. Which is your favorite Care Bear? Eric. But Eric's not a Care Bear. Eric, you're you're comparing it to your favorite Care Bear. Dan, I'm Oh, oh, you like Care Bears, do you? Name all the Care Bears. <laughs> I've become that guy. <laughs> Are you, my, listeners, my, can you hear the can can you hear the trilby? <laughs> My favorite one of that recently was oh because you because know, the little painted miniatures oh you like Warhammer 40k name all forty thousand Warhammers <laughs> that's the joke and as we always like to say balls for everyone.
Am I on the side of your monitor or on a second monitor? Uh, sorry, yes. I just I hadn't moved over there yet. There. There. Because yeah. I was like, did Greg become autistic since the last podcast? <laughs> did Greg become more autistic since the last podcast? <laughs> I did play that that uh, that Kill 100 Children game that you, uh, that you <laughs> told me about, that you got me onto. Uh, PUBG. Oh, yes. Yes, right. Kill a hundred children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're where you drop a hundred children onto an island and they all kill each other. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Yeah, I see. Battle Royale. That's the Battle phrase Royale. I'm looking yes, for. Yes, yes. I was like, Rust is brutal. Rust is, Jesus Christ. Rust is, you wake up on an island with no clothes. You have a rock and you're at the beach and that's it. Go. And you have to, and you have to, so it's PUBG but it's PUBG with crafting. So you've got to go yeah. make a bow and make a, and you know, kill a boar and then skin the boar and then make armor. And then, but invariably someone's so good by the time you're like, I've got a pointy stick. They've created an AR 15 out of, you know, rods or something. And you're like, what the shit? So you walk over a hill going, go, they go, blah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so it's, yeah. I heard that to- that was one of the problems with Fortnite as well, is that, People would just build castles around themselves at like astonishing speeds across yeah. the map, and you just yeah. see castles going tick 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 being assembled and disassembled. And you're like, they're in there somewhere. My internet's playing up. I think I got poor connection. Mine has been playing up the last week. Somewhere mm. in the middle. It's the lockdown, Dan. That's what it is. It's a closed border. They're not allowing our bits across. That's <laughs> true. You. We have to touch them from across the border. We've got to put our bits through that big rabbit-proof fence to get them across. You. In the breakdown of society, people work together to stay together because we're a social creature that works together. We're not actually murderous sociopaths who... They're the people who get put in the goddamn cold and they die from exposure because most of them aren't actually useful. They're just dickheads. So, yeah. So, yeah, the, the, yeah during terrible global catastrophes, people can't help but keep touching each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Oh, my God. All of the anti-mammal sentiment that you hear in the <laughs> lobby of Dinosaur Fortnite. <laughs> Look at this warm-blooded freak. Hey, come on, man. Hey, hey, hey. Come on. We're all friends here. watch out comet hey that's not cool man that's not cool of course they're just going to be beautiful they're all going to be beautiful plumage bastards you know that they're just going to be like whatever mammal look at me i am glorious yeah but your 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 muscles are so lithe and sort of sinewy Mm. us mammals are a little meatier oh Mm. sorry sorry was that no i shouldn't have said sorry I i didn't mean to say that word Oh, that's very good. So I just got that. <laughs> it took me a while. I was like, meteor, as in higher in meat. Oh, no, I see. Well, that's very good. Actually, sorry. I sound like I'm dissing you. I'm not. It's actually very clever. God, even saying it that way sounded awful. No, I appreciated the joke. God damn it. It was well deployed. Don't worry. I'll just, I'll just edit out all of, your, <laughs> all of your terrible responses. Good. Thank you. Make you sound good. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate that. That's not going to happen. <laughs> of course it will. I don't want the I don't want the main part of the podcast to be sort of ruined by this sort of awkwardness. That's for the end. Let's get on to the next segment. <laughs> you know what I like about beautiful women, Greg? That your wife doesn't know about them. 
Let's start this again. Let's start this again. <laughs> oh wait, that implies something. Oh god. Yeah. Like, no, no, I didn't mean that. But I was, I was. Oh god. <laughs> that was like an own, like a, I owned both Dan and Greg at the same time. <laughs> it was an own goal. She used to like you. <laughs> <laughs> I always worry about that getting older because sometimes old men can sit on their groin. That worries me. Gravity. You wouldn't have this problem if you were a merman for two reasons. (laughs) 